Row for Show Productions presents Humble Beginnings, the Undrafted Podcast. Welcome to Humble Beginnings, the Undrafted Podcast. I'm your host, Rochelle Hamilton Jr., and this is episode 51 of the Undrafted Podcast. We celebrated 50 episodes of the Undrafted Podcast on last week, and what a blessing it has been on this journey. This is episode 51 of the Undrafted Podcast. We've got a great show in store for you. Uh, in the low with Row, we're going to be talking about the Houston Rockets facing off against the Golden State Warriors in the NBA playoffs. And something happened with the Rockets, man, before game three. I'm not going to say they look like a totally different team, but something clicked. And I'm loving what I'm seeing from the Houston Rockets right now. So hopefully they can take care of business for two more games in this series against the Warriors. And, and then I'm in and I'm out. The NFL and Fox announced that the uh, on the Super Bowl 54 broadcast, there's going to be fewer commercial breaks. And I love that idea. And what's the wave with Chef Road Daddy? Steve Smith went off on Josh Rosen last week uh, about him unfollowing the Arizona Cardinals. And that whole situation got me thinking. Some of us have people and situations that we need to unfollow on social media and in real life. So I'm going to talk about that in that segment. I'm really looking forward to that one. And then, and this is some bull jive. Man, LeBron James, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. LeBron needs to request a trade out of L.A. He needs to get out of L.A. ASAP. Well, without further ado, let's get into it with The Low with Rowe. The Rockets beat the Warriors 126-121 to in overtime on Saturday in Game 3, and that game was a thriller from start to finish. Now, of course, they had Game 4 last night uh, in Houston, but I think I'm going to stay on Game 3. To be honest with you, I didn't really get to see a whole lot of Game 4. But, man, Game 3, Houston really showed me something, man. It's like Houston played with a sense of urgency that they hadn't really showed in the first two games of this series. And, you know, really for good reason, because if the Rockets would have went down 3-0, there's no way that they would have won this series. But with the Rockets winning these last two games, they got a great chance at taking this series from the Golden State Warriors. Now, as far as game three goes, the biggest surprise of the night for me was Steph Curry, because he had an abysmal game that night. He was 7 of 23 from the field, and he was and he was 2 of 9 from 3. I mean, for him to be 9 of 32 in shooting, I mean, that's that's not even Steph Curry-like. But in Game 3, Steph Curry had possibly the worst game of his career. Now, I'm not surprised that James Harden has put together two MVP-like performances. I'm not surprised that Houston as a squad, they got hot on Saturday, and that continued uh, into last night. But I am surprised at how Steph played in Game 3. Now, to his credit, he recovered last night. He had a 30-point effort last night. But the thing with Game 3, I kind of wondered, was that so much Steph having a bad game, or was that just Houston having great defense? And from what I'm seeing from Houston, well, I can't really say say they're having great defense. I mean, they've let Golden State – you know, score at least 100 points the last two games at least. But that defensive game plan that the Rockets had on Saturday, it kept uh, Steph Curry from being able to slide into easy threes. And it also and it also affected Klay Thompson and KD because it forced them into contested and really sometimes bad shots. But, you know, Houston, you know, coming into, you know, after game three, I was really like, man, Houston's got to be careful because, you know, they looked like almost a different squad. 
against Golden State in Game 3, and they dominated in a lot of areas. But I was like, man, Houston has got to be careful not to start smelling themselves because – you know they put they dropped the hammer on Golden State in Game Three, but then they come out yet yeah, they but then they come out in Game Four last night and they dropped the hammer again. I mean now of course the game went down to the wire, but Houston they have Golden State's attention and Golden State has Houston's attention. So you know with where the Rockets are sitting at right now, like I love what the Rockets are doing against the Golden State Warriors. And the thing you know with Houston is I think the I think the switch turned on before game three with Houston because they started getting more aggressive they came out they were more aggressive they were more physical with Golden State they were driving the ball inside the paint and you really didn't see that the first two games of this series I'm not really sure what Houston was doing the first two games of the series man it was like in game three like the 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 light just clicked on for them it was amazing you know maybe they started to figure out some of the things that Golden State likes to do I really don't know what happened outside of I saw a more aggressive Houston Rockets team in game three. Uh, I saw a more physical Houston Rockets team in game three. Also, the Houston Rockets, got they got better at rebounding, man, because P.J. Tucker, P.J. Tucker was doing his thing with the rebounds. But, you know, going back to Golden State for a little bit, Kevin Durant had 46 points in game three, and then he turns around last night, he has 34 points. But the thing with Golden State is, you know, Kevin Durant, he's always going to get his numbers. He's always going to get his, uh, well, maybe not always, you know, but you know, 90 to 95 percent of the time, Kevin Durant is going to do what he does. But the thing when Kevin Durant is getting his numbers, when he's getting his and doing his thing, it really affects Steph Curry and Klay Thompson's games a lot of the time, because it's like with Steph Curry, you know, it seems like he tries to stay out of the way. He doesn't really want to disrupt the hot hand. So, you know, he does his best to kind of stay out of the way and not, you know, try to, you know, take over or or get any or do anything that's going to get in Kevin Durant's way. But also while doing that, it seems like it affects him and it doesn't allow him to be able to get into a rhythm. And Clay, Clay, and Clay Thompson as well, I'm not sure what's going on with Clay Thompson. It seems like he's having a, a terrible playoff uh, series right now. But, you know, I'm not tripping because, of course, I want the Rockets to take it all the way because I actually picked the Rockets to win this series. So I need the Rockets to make me look smart. Um, but then also I think something, you know, really before last night, before game four, when Steph put up 30 last night, you know, Steph had really been kind of struggling throughout the playoffs, especially throughout this series. He hadn't really been the Steph Curry that he is in the regular season. And I know a lot of people bring up his postseason. They say, you know, playoffs Curry is different than regular season Curry. And there's an argument to be made for that. But I think another thing that was affecting Steph Curry is, you know, if you really look at it, the first three games of this series, he averaged five fouls in each game. And that's another thing that can disrupt a guy like him uh, with their with their rhythm is it's really kind of hard to get into a rhythm when you have to ride the bench to stay out of foul trouble. So I think that's one thing. That's another thing that affected Steph Curry and his shooting uh, the other night. But the reason I keep harping on Game 3, outside of the fact is I, I didn't really get to see a whole lot of Game 4, the reason why I keep harping on Game 3 because Game 3 was Houston's best effort. That was the game where they finally turned it on. That was the game where you saw a different Houston Rockets squad because they finally got aggressive with Golden State. And that really made all the difference. You know, they simply attacked Golden State more, and you saw the difference as a result. They deed them up, they drove the ball inside the paint, and they basically just imposed their will on Golden State, and it was just like, finally, finally, finally. And then another thing that I liked about Game 3 is prior to Game 3, you really didn't hear the Rockets complaining about the refs and the officiating, you know, like after everything that happened with Game 1, because here's the thing, yes, the officiating in Game 1 was bad, but NBA refs have been under the microscope for years. 
that's nothing new. And it's, you know, for me, I look at it like this. Like our coach used to tell us, guys, you never leave the game in the hands of the ref. You go out there, you handle your business, you do your job, and everything else will take care of itself. You know, and James Harden, he had a great game in game three. Now, I was really kind of worried about James Harden in game three because at the half, he only had 13 points. And when they ran that little stack across the across the uh, ticker, um, I was like, man, you know, playoff James, playoff Harden, you know, those playoff demons are sneaking up on him because, man, he was struggling. He had actually been struggling in the games uh, even prior to that one. And then he turns around, he turns it on uh, in the second half and he ends up racking up. You know, 41 points, you know, eye injury and all. And, man, that that eyelid injury he has is – I don't know how James Harden is is doing it, but everything that he's doing with that eye injury makes his efforts even more remarkable. I can't talk about Game 3 without mentioning Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon has been on fire. I mean, Saturday in Game 3, man, I mean, he was dropping buckets and he was dropping threes from all the way from Sugar Land, man. I mean, Saturday he had a career-high 30 points – Saturday night, and he dropped seven threes. And I mentioned P.J. Tucker a little bit earlier with his rebound. I mean, P.J. Tucker's a rebound machine right now. Now, if those two guys keep playing the way they're playing, along with James Harden doing what he's doing and CP3 doing what he's doing, the Houston Rockets are going to be tough to beat. Now, they tied the series last night in Game 4. They tied the series 2-2 after they beat uh, Golden State 112-108. Now, in addition to his 38 points, James Harden had 10 rebounds. Kevin Durant, he had 34 points. And like I said earlier, Steph Curry had 30 points. Um, and he So he recovered from his abysmal Game 3. Now, James Harden might have finally shaken off his playoff demons uh, from the past that are so well documented. Now, he put up 41 points in Game 3. He put up 38 points last night in Game 4. Now, he's only 11 of 30 and 44% from the field, but he's getting his preferred shots. And, you know, he's not flopping to get calls anymore. You know, he's being more aggressive to the rim. And, you know, really with James Harden, he's kind of an anomaly because you can't really put a whole lot of stock into his stats because he's a volume shooter. So he's going to keep shooting. the He's going to keep shooting the ball, whether or not it's going in or not. Like James Harden's just going to keep shooting. it. He's going to keep putting it up. And but that's really his game. I mean, that's how he that's how he plays. That's his game. That's how the Rockets win. If you mix that with this aggressive, this physical nature that the Rockets have displayed these last few games against the Golden State Warriors, it's going to be tough for the Warriors to beat them. And I love it. But here's the thing with Houston. I mean, you know, they've won these last two games. But, man, with Houston, Houston needs to go ahead if they're going to do it. If they're going to knock Golden State out of the tournament, they need to go ahead and just do it these next two games. Because, man, if I'm Houston, I really don't want to take this thing seven games. Because Golden State, I mean, they're vulnerable right now. That you got them on the ropes and, and you're dinging them. You got the body shots going. You're dinging them across the face. You know, not, you, you you really need to go for the kill shot. If I'm the Houston Rockets, I'm going for the kill shot because you've already taken a pound of flesh out of them. Now it's time to go for the throat. So everything that the Houston Rockets have been doing the next the last two games, they need to continue doing the next two games. Because man, I'll say it: if Houston gets past the Golden State Warriors in this series. I honestly believe they will be the NBA champs. Now it's time for I'm in and I'm out. According to a report from John Oren of Sports Business Daily, the Super Bowl 54 broadcast will have fewer commercials. Thank you, Super Bowl guy. The flip side to that, though, is the commercial breaks will run longer than in previous years. Now, Super Bowl 54 will air on Fox this season, and both the NFL and Fox will run four ad breaks per quarter instead of the usual five ad breaks that they've ran for the past 30 years. 
Now the ad time itself won't change, so more than likely fans really won't even notice this policy change. Now who will notice though is the two squads actually participating in the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl has long been known to be one of the toughest games on offenses because with all the TV ad breaks and everything, it's really kind of hard for an offense to catch up and you know get into a rhythm. And the extended halftime break, that really doesn't help matters for them as well. So with all that being said, I'm 100% in on this change because I like the idea of less ad breaks in exchange for more game time. Now, you know, sure, don't get me wrong. I love Super Bowl commercials just like everybody else. I mean, the Super Bowl is the one NFL game of the season where even non-football fans watch the game, and that's largely due to these funny, these creative commercials. You know, now case in point, the 100-year uh, celebration commercial for the NFL that they ran in this past year, Super Bowl, Super Bowl 53, that was creative genius. That was pure creative genius. I mean, the choreography of the football moves and some of the celebration dances, along with the writing and the dialogue and the nostalgia and the, and, you know, and the memories from legends of the game past and legends in the making, like, you know, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Von Miller, Michael Strahan, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Mike Singletary, Emmitt Smith, Deion Sanders, Barry Sanders. There was even like a little small reenactment of the Immaculate Reception with Franco Harris. I mean, that commercial was just spot on genius. I mean, that was my favorite commercial from that entire broadcast. You know, depending on who you ask, some people might even say that it was better than the game itself. Uh, And I guess depending on which side of the fence you're on, there's an argument to be made there. But that right there, that's the kind of stuff that people look forward to as far as commercials go during the Super Bowl. But, you know, if you're a football purist or especially if your team is actually playing in the Super Bowl, the commercial breaks just might drive you insane. I mean, I know for me personally, you know, I'm a big Broncos fan. So for me personally, you know, in Super Bowl 50 a few years ago when the Broncos were playing the Panthers, I mean, the commercial breaks was killing me, man, because, you know, because my heart was racing and, you know, I'm sitting at the edge of my seat because I'm like, dude, I really want Denver to prove me right and not make me look like a fool, you know, and as the game was going on, I'm just like, dude, you know, the the game was so suspenseful. I was tense like that whole entire time, even during the halftime show, even though it was one of the best halftime shows in NFL Super Bowl history. Like I was tense the whole time. So so if your team's actually playing in the Super Bowl, there's a really good chance that you're not going to care about the commercials. But for those of us whose teams either aren't in the Super Bowl or we just don't care about football, we just love the commercials. This right here is going to make your heart smile. Now, one other aspect of this, with this change, you'll probably see even more long-form commercials like the NFL 100-year celebration that I just talked about. Now, that particular commercial was two minutes long, so you'll probably see more commercials that are at least a minute in length moving forward. Now, it's also going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, to see if the NFL charges advertisers even more money for commercials now because, you know, while there's going to be less spots, you know for a fact that some of these advertisers, they're going to want to get more airtime in front of these millions and millions of eyeballs on Super Bowl Sunday. But for show, for show, I welcome this slight change by the NFL and Fox. But another thing that's going to be interesting to see moving forward is the NFL is doing this to improve fan engagement across the board. So with them making a move like this, it's going to be interesting to see what other moves they make in the future for Super Bowls to further enhance fan engagement. What's the wave with Chef Road Daddy. 
Now, you already know what time it is with this segment. This is the part of the podcast where I talk about wellness. Now, generally, I talk about, you know, food and recipes and things like that, you know, to help improve your body, help improve your physicality. Uh, But, you know, sometimes on this podcast, I also talk about, well, like I say, I talk about wellness and wellness is several different aspects, you know, physical wellness, mental wellness, uh, spiritual wellness, emotional wellness. But today I'm going to drop a little bit of brain food for you. I guess you can look at it from like an emotional standpoint or even a spiritual standpoint or maybe even a mental standpoint. Whatever situation or kind of situation that you're dealing with in life, you might be able to look at it like this. Uh, But anyway, last week on this segment, I talked about, you know, Steve Smith's rant on Josh Rosen unfollowing the Arizona Cardinals on social media in the wake of them picking Kyler Murray uh, number one overall, and then as a result, trading Josh Rosen to the Miami Dolphins. Now, Steve Smith took Josh Rosen unfollowing the Cardinals as him being mad and instead was pushing for him to compete for the number one job. And while I do agree that Josh Rosen should have to compete for a job like any other NFL player, I didn't really see the big deal that people made about him unfollowing the Cardinals social media. Because, well, first of all, it's social media. And, you know, if I no longer want to follow a person or an organization, then I'm perfectly within my rights to do so. I mean, it's really not that serious at the end of the day. Now, one thing I will say, Josh Rosen did what a lot of us need to do in social media and in real life. He unfollowed people that had already moved on from him. Now, in this instance, the Cardinals were already telling him and everybody else what they were going to do because their Instagram was full of Kyler Murray hype. So they take Kyler Murray with the first pick in the draft. Now, if you know the politics of pro sports, you know the first pick in the draft is not brought in to compete with anybody. I mean, that job is theirs, and the team has already told you and everybody else as such. Now, many of us are in situations similar to this where something or someone has told you that they're moving on either by their words or by their actions, and you simply need to unfollow them. Now, on one hand, Steve Smith is absolutely correct. There are times in life when you need to fight it out and you need to fight for the W. You fight for your health. You fight for your marriage. Fight for your financial or your professional well-being. Fight for your sanity. But on the other hand, though, Josh Rosen is right by unfollowing people who no longer needed or wanted him. Now, with the Arizona Cardinals, I'm not saying the Cardinals were wrong for going out and selecting Kyler Murray. These teams are trying to get better each and every year, either through the draft or free agency. So the team, they did what they felt was best for the team. That's perfectly okay. That's fair enough. But now, just like that team selected somebody else that they felt could help make them better, well, there's 31 other NFL teams. And for us folks with normal jobs and normal situations, if something doesn't work out, there's other jobs, there's other people, etc., Life does not stop just because things didn't go your way in this particular instance. Now, the key to dealing with situations like these is knowing when to fight for it and when to leave well enough alone. Now, last week I made the analogy of me and a girl being booed up and she tells me that she's done and she's going to move on to another dude. And how if we're following each other on social media, well, first of all, I'm going to break up with her. And then second of all, if we're on social media together, I'm going to unfollow her on social media and in real life because... I'm not going to sit up here and still be friends with this girl on social media and she's moved on to some other guy and she's booed up and they kissing and hugging and everything else. I mean, at the end of the day, bro, I don't want to see that. Now, I'm not mad about it, but, you know, I don't want to open up my phone or my Instagram or whatever. And then I scroll through and I'm seeing stuff like that. I mean, for what? Y'all do y'all. I'm perfectly okay. I'm not mad because the only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go find somebody else because 
In an instance like that, if it doesn't work out or if they're going to go leave you for somebody else, then clearly that's not the one for you. And if they're not the one for you, keep it moving because at the end of the day, that's life. Life happens sometimes. And in those situations, you just got to keep it moving. Now, to use the social media pun here, sometimes liking and following something or someone who doesn't like and follow you back is the quickest and easiest way to get hurt, stay hurt, get your heart broke, or simply drive yourself insane. Now, this can apply to any area of your life. This doesn't have this just doesn't have to be a romance or a dating thing. You know, sometimes when we feel like we're taking an L in life, it's actually addition by subtraction because a source of stress, strife or bull jive either just left, wants to leave or wants you to leave. But the question is, what will you do? And this is a case by case basis. So there's no umbrella answer here. There's no one answer fits all. But one thing and this is the most important thing. Sometimes God is trying to remove a bad thing or a bad someone from our lives, but we still want to like and follow them. Sometimes God is saying, let that go because I have better for you over here. But we don't want to because let's be honest, some of us like drama. Some of us are addicted to painful situations. Some of us are simply scared to change. And some of us are simply scared to trust God. Why? Because trusting God is one of the most unpredictable and one of the scariest things that you will ever do for the simple fact that one, you can't see God, so you don't know what he's doing. And then two, it's out of your control when you give it up to God. But when you do give it up to God and let him lead you, it will always, always, always be worth it. Now, oftentimes you'll hear people say, man, you know what? I'm waiting on God to you know, do this or I'm waiting on God to tell me this. I'm waiting on God to show me this, this, that and the other. And in reality, sometimes God is waiting on you to unfollow certain things and or certain people before he will jump in. Because here's one of the things about God. God gives us choices in life. It's up to us to decide whether or not we're going to listen to him and follow him or do what we want to do. And as people, we have to learn how to protect our peace. You have to learn when to fight for it or leave well enough alone. Now, in sports, you always hear players, coaches and commentators talk about switching up game plans. And with sports, no matter what sport it is, they will always, always, always go into a game with a game plan. You know, here's how we're going to attack the defense when they show a certain coverage or a certain scheme. You know, when the offense is running a three receiver set, this is the defense or the coverage or the scheme we want to use to counter it. But sometimes during the game, the opposing team shows you looks, you know, schemes, coverages or plays that your squad either hasn't seen before or you simply weren't prepared for. And in that instance, teams always switch up the game plan or they adjust on the fly. Now, when life shows you situations, schemes and plays that you hadn't seen before or you simply weren't prepared for, you have to switch up the game plan. These are the times in life when you must decide if it's worth fighting for or if you need to let it go. You have to learn when to fight for it and when to let it go. And as nice as it would be if we could find out these things beforehand to avoid the pain associated with these instances, unfortunately, life simply doesn't work like that. The only way to learn these lessons is to take a few L's in life. You have to get your feelings hurt or you have to get your heart broke at some point. You have to go broke. You have to get fired or laid off, etc. Unfortunately, that's how this thing works. You have to take L's in life at times. Why? Because failure and hardship are the best life teachers. Now, my mom always says that broad experience is better than taught experience. And the awesome thing about God is God teaches through experience. So what will you do with your experience?
Are you going to take it as a chance to learn a valuable life lesson and fight through it and fight through adversity to get that W? Or will you continue to like and follow something or someone who doesn't like and follow you back and therefore you should have unfollowed them and left them alone a long time ago? The choice is yours. You're either your own mechanic or your own mess. Choose wisely. And in the last segment of episode 51 of the Undrafted Podcast, this is some bull jive. Man, look, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. LeBron James needs to force his way out of the L.A. Lakers. He just needs to go ahead and do it. And here's the thing. If LeBron wants to add any more championships to his already amazing legacy, then he really needs to get out of L.A. from the Lakers because it is really starting to look like that LeBron signing with the Lakers was a huge mistake and possibly the biggest mistake of his career. The Los Angeles Lakers are a train wreck right now. And it's not only things that are just on the court. I mean, the front office is in straight up shambles. Take you back a little bit of ways. The Lakers were fine before LeBron injured his groin on Christmas Day against the Warriors. You know, if you remember back then, they were 24 and 10. You know, they were sitting pretty. You know, then he got hurt. And it was like after he went down, the injury bug just decided to wipe out the Lakers because LeBron went down. Rondo went down. Lonzo went down. Brandon Ingram went down. But the thing with injuries, you know, injuries happen. I mean, nobody's sitting around asking for injuries. That's just part of the game. So there's really nothing that you can do about that. But then there was the whole Anthony Davis, the trade debacle that didn't happen. You know, and then it was like after that happened, the mentality and the chemistry of this team just never fully recovered from that. Then you have Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka. They simply weren't getting along. You know, there's reports that Magic wanted to fire Rob Palenka, but owner Jeannie Buss, she blocked that. Then um, Luke Walton, Luke Walton, Magic wanted to fire Luke Walton. You heard the whole media circus surrounding him, and she blocked that as well, even though Luke Walden ended up getting the axe after the season. Then, just a few weeks ago, Magic Johnson, he all of a sudden chunks the deuces to the entire franchise in one of the most bizarre press conferences I have ever seen. And he didn't tell anybody. Didn't even tell LeBron. Which sucks, because Magic Johnson was a big reason why LeBron came to L.A. and why he wanted to bring back the Showtime Lakers. Now, it's no secret that everybody knows that LeBron went over to LA for you know he wants to set up a media empire you know he has things going on in Hollywood he's got all these production companies and things like that but you know if I'm LeBron James I mean I'm starting to look at it like bro I can do this I don't have to be in LA to run all this I mean I got a full-fledged team that I can that I have that can run all this stuff behind me like if if my bag my basketball legacy means something to me I got to get up out of here and Now there's reports coming out that Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss, they were trash-talking Magic Johnson uh, behind his back in some emails, and then he found out, and then that's why he left the way he did. Now there's reports that Jeannie Buss is going to have her best friend Linda Rambis helping her run the team, despite her having no experience whatsoever as an NBA executive. And this is to the extent that some agents and GMs around the league referred to Linda Rambis as the shadow owner of the Los Angeles Lakers. Rob Palenka is known around the league as a guy who simply can't be trusted. And, you know, he's never been an NBA executive either. His claim to fame in the NBA is he's an agent. He was an agent for a lot of NBA players. That's really where he got to be known. And as far as the Lakers go, he was Kobe Bryant's agent. So you got all of this in this Los Angeles Lakers tornado slash train wreck slash wreck slash dumpster fire, whatever you want to call it. You know, you've got the constant media circus. 
Magic disappoints LeBron by disappearing all of a sudden. You got Rob Palenka, who was Kobe's agent. He has no executive experience whatsoever. He's the GM and the possible president of the Lakers because it's been reported that the Lakers are comfortable with him in that spot. Now, the problem there is, like I said earlier, he's not highly respected or highly regarded around the league. And LeBron said he basically feels betrayed by Magic, you know, leaving the way he did. He had no contact with him, you know, whatsoever. Now, the way LeBron presented it on his show on uh, HBO, the clip that they've shown, is he's very believable in what he says. Now, there's really no way for us to tell uh, if LeBron is, you know, just telling the truth outside of hearing it from Magic Johnson, because, of course, there's always two sides to every story. And that's one thing that would be interesting to to hear is Magic's side of the story to see or hear what truly happened, what truly drove him to leave the way he did. But, of course, we'll probably never get that side of the story from Magic Johnson. But it would be nice. I mean, it would be cool to, to, to hear it from his perspective, to hear from his point of view. Now, we'll probably never hear 100 percent of the truth from Magic Johnson because Magic Johnson is a public relations genius. He is a business mogul for a reason. So, you know, there's probably some things in there that could damage his uh, relationship with the Lakers. Um, you know, if he was to say, you know, what truly happened with all that stuff behind the scenes. So we'll probably never get the full story from Magic Johnson. He, you know, in his mind, he's probably just going to take the lumps, uh, the PR lumps that'll come with him, you know, keeping a closed mouth um, and just kind of letting everything blow over. But yeah, I mean, even with all that, and I, and I completely understand all of that, I, I wouldn't disagree with Magic Johnson at all. If he never comes out in public and says what truly drove him to do what he did, I wouldn't blame him at all. But back to LeBron James, like if I'm LeBron James, I'm looking at all this and I I just go and tell the Lakers to trade me, like trade me right now, you know, because at the end of the day, I mean, for all this, LeBron, he could have stayed in Cleveland for this hot mess of a situation. I mean, he came to the Lakers more for stabilization. I mean, you know, they had magic there. You know, Jeannie Buss was going to let magic run the show and they had a structure and that structure has, you know, just been completely unraveled. And the thing is, I don't think LeBron would have had a big problem with it if Magic would have left and they would have had, you know, a front office that was in place, a front office that was stable. But they don't have any of that in Los Angeles right now. So, like I say, yeah, for me, if I'm LeBron James, I tell them to trade me. And not only would I tell them to trade me immediately, I would also tell them I choose or I have a major say in where I go. Because I only have two to four, maybe five great years left in my body, and I'm not going to waste them on this train wreck of a situation. I'm just simply not going to do it. I did not sign up for this, and this is not what y'all told me when y'all recruited me to come here. Trade me right doggone now. And I'm not going to some trash squad who's, you know, in the midst of a rebuild or they've got bad management. I mean, LeBron James is one of the smartest athletes in any sport. If anybody can pull something like this off, it's LeBron James. Now, the, because the thing is, the Lakers, they wasted the last years of Kobe's career. If I'm LeBron James, I wouldn't let them do the same thing to me. I would be gone. And the thing is, you know, LeBron really hadn't said a whole lot about any of these situations. So there's a really good chance that he might actually be setting the stage to do this right now. I mean, you can never really tell with LeBron because he's another public relations genius. But <laughs> as far as me, Rochelle Hamilton Jr., if, if I was LeBron James, Oh, I'd be gone. You know, PR hitting all. I would be straight up out of L.A. Now, you know, the thing is, I might even stay in L.A., but I'm going to have to play across the street for the Clippers. I, yeah, this, this right here with the Lakers is just entirely too much. I will be gone because all this right here, this is some bull jive. 
Well, that's my time for this episode of the Undrafted Podcast. I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for blessing me with the gifts, the talents, the resources to do this. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to come and hang out with me on the Undrafted Podcast. Remember, you can follow the Undrafted Podcast on Instagram at the Undrafted Podcast or on Twitter at the Undrafted Pod. And you can also catch the Undrafted Podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Working on getting it on Pandora, but gonna, but I'm going to have to see how all of that's going to play out. And for a Bible verse, I want to give you an encouraging Bible verse for you today. Romans 8.18, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Remember, do your best and let God handle the rest. Be blessed.